Discussing Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Discussing Trek. Today, we continue our Best of TOS series as we review the season two finale of Star Trek, the original series, Assignment Earth. Like always, I'm your host, Clarence, and I'm joined by my fellow co-host slash Trekkies, starting with none other than the Who story himself. Cal Jones, how are you doing, man? Doing very well. I'm glad to be here and looking forward to discussing this. Can't wait to see what you guys think. But yes, glad to be here. It certainly should be interesting. And also on the podcast, we have the Trek Storian, Jonathan Shorts. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. Glad to be on again as well. Glad to be hearing you guys. Hope everyone's doing good, fun, healthy, happy. And judging by iTunes, the most favorite podcaster on the show. Absolutely. <laughs> There's a reason he's called the Trek Storian. I just want to give a shout out to Janeway. Uh, what was her name? Janeway Alpha 9 or whatever. Thanks, Janeway. And also on the podcast, we have the Stargate story himself, Jeremy Barrow. How you doing? I don't think there's a way I can follow that. So, <laughs> so I'm just going to kind of echo everything everyone said because there's nothing more I can offer to what, to what he just went through. Hey, man. No one on iTunes liked you. Sorry. Oh, burn. Burn. <laughs> it, well, his feet are slightly too big for his body. So there. It's <laughs> <laughs> totally unrelated news. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll have to share the, the meme I saw earlier today that says that. Oh, boy. Is this like a Ronald McDonald situation going on here? I mean. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, how are you tonight, Claire? Oh, man, I'm doing great, man. Doing great. Um, just happy to be back on talking about, you know, some trick, dude. It's been a minute. So far in our best of TOS series, we have reviewed so much. I won't run through it all, but tonight we have Assignment Earth. And if you want to watch ahead, we have All Our Yesterdays, a season three, episode 23 episode. What we do here on this podcast is review each and every episode of Star Trek in somewhat excessive detail. In addition to talking all things Trek. Please leave a review and subscribe on whatever podcasting platform you are currently listening on to make sure you don't miss an episode. We will go ahead and get into our review of Star Trek, the original series, Assignment Earth. Assignment Earth is the season two finale of Star Trek. It was written by Art Wallace and directed by Mark Daniels. It was first broadcast on March 29th, 1968. The Enterprise travels back in time to 1968 where the crew encounters the mysterious Gary Seven, who claims to be sent by advanced beings trying to help Earth. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. I'll give you the right. You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you sprain something. And with that said, we'll do like we always do and throw it to Cal Jones for the story beats of the episode. Okay, so this actually turned out to be a little bit longer than what I intended, but I'm just going to go with it. So here we go. Be prepared tonight, as I might not rhyme, as a few questions meant that I ran out of time. I count this among the TOS great, but I'm sure we'll have a lively debate. Make 30 into 60 and give us Mr. Seven, just not of nine, that comes much later. The crew, as usual, ponders a crisis 
but I'd rather focus on the mighty Isis. When the future is uncertain for your pilot, plot a course to the back door and begin your trek. But before you say of a certain device, let me tell you now, the number 16 precedes the number 29. But before I break away, factoring in light speed, if that for time travel is all that you need, wouldn't it just be a great big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff? Mm. <laughs> wow. Wow. That is a book. A book, cow. I, I, got, I got most of that, though, so I think I'm getting better at uh, deciphering your very cryptic um, poem slash beats slash... Is that good or is that scary? It's good. I, 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 I liked it. It's good. It's good. It's good. And with that, let's see what Jeremy Barrow thinks of this episode. So I feel like I'm going to be in the minority here, but I do have some issues with this episode. And most of them are not necessarily because it's, they're Jeremy related, because Jeremy has particular issues. Not because the episode itself, if that makes any sense, which we'll get to as we discuss. Interesting. Dun, dun, dun. Interesting. Jonathan, what do you think, man? Man, I uh, believe it or not, I really love this episode. Um, and I found out, you know, I started it and, you know, probably 10, 15 minutes into it, I was like, man, this is pretty cool. It's different than what we've been seeing, you know, production wise, storyline wise, like, and it was really good. I really enjoyed it. And I find out afterwards why, which I'm sure we'll get to that soon. So, yeah, pretty good for me. What about you, Cal Jones? I absolutely love this. I am going to echo what Jonathan said. I just found myself enjoying this the more I watched it, and I couldn't figure out why. And then I went to make my notes about it and then found out why, which just made it even kind of more cool. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I actually very much enjoyed this. Yeah, for me, I'm of two minds. I thought it was interesting, but to me, it didn't really feel like a Trek episode for obvious reasons, which we'll get into. And honestly, when the closing credits rolled, I was like, huh, it looks like they're doing something else. And then I Googled and Oh, they were doing something else with this. <laughs> so um, I find it very intriguing, very intriguing that they would do this to this, this, this particular episode. And we'll get into all of that. But in this episode, we see the enterprise go back in time for historical observation they intercept a human who is from a mysterious planet, and we see Captain Kirk struggle to determine if this mystery man's interference is supposed to happen, all while attempting to adhere to the temporal prime directive. What do you think about the concept of historical observation in Trek? Don't they supposed to be going out, you know, <laughs> far in the stars to to search and find new life? Why would they be doing this historical observation thing? It seems like it seems like if you take the prime, the temporal prime directive into account, this is just a bad thing off the bat. While it doesn't make sense to me in the context of the story, it does make sense to me from a writer's point of view. If I'm looking at a series that I'm writing for, I'm a producer's point of view, and I'm looking down the barrel of cancellation, I want my audience to identify with the story. What better way of making them identify is to put your characters in the present day. So I think it was a plot device that was used as an identification point 
whereas when it was brought back the next generation, it wasn't needed. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So, number one, I'll just start this out, out with the opinion I always state in these type of episodes. I hate time travel episodes. <laughs> I do. Uh, <laughs> you remain constant, sir. No. Yes. But that being said, I like the concept in Trek because our main mission, their mission is to explore strange new worlds. And is that not a strange world? Maybe not new, but I mean, to go back in your past before... To experience things you've never experienced, see how you got there. I think that is exploration that needs to happen. Uh, and I think most, a lot of time episodes that we've seen, seen through Trek kind of informs the current of what they went through to get where they are and why they need to continue the mission forward so they won't end up like they were in the past. If that makes sense. Yeah. It, it, it I, I, it, it's so dis- to say, all I had to say is I I don't disagree with them with this exploration of time, exploration of the past. I think that's a good thing. Yeah, I mean, I agree it could be a good thing. I just think the risk outweigh the benefits, you know. But I don't think they really, like, have a firm grasp of a temporal prime directive yet either. They don't really understand the dangers of it. So if you didn't understand the dangers and you you know, really couldn't understand how ripples in time affected things, then why wouldn't you? I would love to. See, while I don't disagree with that theory, Jonathan, what I would see that would make more sense is you've got a division of your fleet that goes solely on exploration in the present outward. Then you have another division of your fleet that focuses on specially equipped ships that are shielded, et cetera, and so yeah. forth, that do the time travel backward. And they're specialized and trained for that. I think it's an excellent idea. I just having that same crew that's going outward, going backward, just kind of what's weird for me. And eventually Starfleet gets to that point, right? So we see in episodes of Voyager and episode of episodes of Enterprise that uh, Starfleet has developed this group, this fleet of ships and these group of people and their primary responsibility is preserving the timeline. And that's usually from, I mean, it's more of a policing effect, but to your point, that's eventually what they did. Like they had specialized training, specialized equipment and ships to, interact with time without causing issues. So let's talk about this mystery man from this unknown planet, Gary Seven. Such a cool effing name. (laughs) What do you guys think of the notion of a human from this time period living in a far away advanced planet? I mean, what, what are your general thoughts on Gary Seven? Oh, I think he was cool from the beginning. I think they established an actor or they, they hired an actor that had, this alienistic human quality to him. And I bought the character from the very beginning. And they, that pairing with the cat was just cool to me. Um, you know, obviously you guys saw that, that I really liked the pairing with David Ajala's character and the cat in series three of Discovery. I liked that. So I obviously liked this. I don't know. I just bought the character and liked the character from the very beginning. What about you, John or Jeremy? Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of agree with Kyle. I don't know if I like the character as much as I bought the character. 
Like I can see him being, you know, have that alien kind of, you know, not physiology, but psychology about him. You know, he didn't grow up around humans, so he doesn't act human-ish. So, I mean, I, I bought him being from another planet. Well, he not grew sure up around humans, though. Um, there were other humans on this planet, I believe. Right. Right, but I mean, it was, it was my understanding that you know there was both human and alien, so he didn't quite oh, yeah. have that emo that he had that emotional disconnect from other humans. Hmm. Sean? I liked him. I really like like I get James Bond vibes from him. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then he comes out petting his cat, and then I'm thinking like Doctor Evil. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it was cool, man. It, it was it was a, a nice mystery, and I enjoyed that mystery. I, I just kind of want to know more about this planet that he came from. Like, what what were the actions leading to him going there and being there? Like, does that make sense? I feel like I'm not making a lot of no. sense in this episode. No, it makes perfect sense. I, I hate I, to. I, mean, I, I understand what you're saying. I disagree because I think it'd be better. And I'm sure we'll talk about, you know, later. You know, it was, you know, for the preceding show that it was meant to be, it would have been better, I think, in my opinion, to learn about it, more about Homeworld more and more over time as opposed to all at once. Yeah. I, and that's fine. I'll take it all at once or more and more over time. Just a little bit more would have made me like him even more. But I mean, I think it was a great character. And as Clarence said, man, it was an awesome name. Yeah. And then I kind of heard uh, Cal mention in his beats seven of nine. So, <laughs> I mean, Hey, you had me there at seven. So that was good. Yeah. What's also interesting is that he's from a highly advanced planet so he's not a time traveler he's just from a faraway planet that's highly advanced so one of the points i didn't really understand is apparently they can see the future because he knew what would happen right with the the right so so how does he not time travel Oh, okay. See, that's why I hate. And we'll say they said in the story that the I don't necessarily think that it was a time travel that they saw the future. They were looking at, and this may be seeing the future, but I think they had decreed that humanity had surpassed what they saw as being where they needed to be societal and political evolution or enlightenment, whichever word you want to use, whichever one's appropriate. But they had gotten to a point to where their technology and their machinery or advancement had surpassed where they were politically and socially, giving them to end to all of this at the time, think about it, this is in the 60s, all of this nuclear arsenals and whatever. And the point being, they're little kids with grown-up toys, and yeah. maybe they're not ready for them yet. That's what I saw it as. Yeah. Hmm. And, and I find the whole agency uh, kind of fascinating. I really would have liked to see this as a series because you have this group of humans who were taken away from Earth 6,000 years ago gone on this highly advanced planet and trained for like yeah like you said John secret agent James Bond to come and fix situations that would otherwise lead to you know turmoil destruction war uh you name it they're these kind of just secret agents that are roaming about through uh, from this other planet and i just find it crazy that we have these humans coming to do this and 
a lot of times you see in Trek is that our people, our, you know, crew are the ones that's maybe not so much changing, but they're secretly going on planets and observing and, you know, under the radar. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's kind of weird to see these humans that have, you know, been in this highly technological society come back and do these type of things. I just find all that very interesting. And, you know, just to, and I know we need to move on from this subject, but it, it also brought to mind when I was watching that. So I was listening to, uh, Joe Rogan podcast. He was interviewing a guy. I don't remember the guy. I don't even remember what he did, but he was a professor, a smart guy, something. Anyway, the conversation came up about these, uh, so, you know, the Pentagon recently, uh, declassified a lot of the reported UFO sightings and strange things and all that. So that's kind of been hitting the news here randomly. And, you know, he was, they were kind of having a conversation. Do you think these are aliens or, you know, why, why are they? Coming here, you know, if they're advanced enough to make the flight here, I would think they would be advanced enough not to be caught by remedial technology. You True. know what I mean? So, yeah. uh, what, what is their purpose? Are they getting stuck or what? And the other guy, you know, he said, you know, his opinion was, you know, maybe they are here. We always think that they're maybe some cruel intent or negative intent, but I mean, maybe it's in a case like that, like this guy. And that's kind of what I thought about, like these sightings that people claim they see. What if, these are, and maybe not even aliens. Maybe it's a future us, which Joe Rogan brought up. You know, it's, you know, we evolve and evolve and evolve. And then eventually we could have moved off of Earth. Yeah. And continued evolving on another planet. And then life started over here. And then these people on another planet say, Hey, you know, we screwed up our planet. We had to leave. And now they're starting over again. Let's go check on them. Yeah. Why couldn't that be the case? You know, and that, that's kind of, anyway. That was a long thought I had, probably why I missed the other stuff. <laughs> no, man. Interesting stuff, man. And, you know, as we say, as I think I say in each of these TOS reviews, uh, Kirk is once again presented with somewhat of an impossible decision, not knowing if he should stop Gary Seven or let him continue his mission. You know, again, temporal prime directive, which states that, you know, like you said, John, this is more of a future future Trek um, thought, but um, Starfleet personnel are strictly forbidden from directly interfering with historical events and are required to maintain the timeline and prevent history from being altered. So I don't know. I always love when Kirk is put up against these decisions of, you know, do I stop them? Do I let them go? And one thing that happened at the end that I'm like, why didn't they do this at the beginning? Kirk says that he looked at the historical records and he knew it would happen. If he knew it, why was he acting so crazy about following this dude for the whole episode? Yeah. <laughs> so that, that was like going through my head the whole time. Like, shouldn't we know whether or not this rocket <laughs> successfully launches or crashes? Like we have historical record. So let's just make sure it happens like history. But I don't know why that was never mentioned, which was a small problem, but not big enough to not like the episode. But yeah, you're right. That was that was strange. But but Kyle, I throw this to you. And it's, you know, we mentioned Doctor Who all the time. It's like, does this in this case, Starfleet, Captain Kirk and his crew are the fact that they're going back. What makes it happen 
Mm. Or, or should they have not gone back and they'll cause it to go awry? You know what I'm saying? It's kind of oh, absolutely. You- so here, so here's my thought here. You and for anyone listening that's Doctor Who fans, which I hope they are, I would say that this would be considered what's called a still moment in time, meaning it is because of the Enterprise's interaction that causes that solidification of history. So this is sort of like you've got the chapters of a book and you don't want to read the chapters because you don't want to find out what happens. Maybe that's why they didn't pull up the story of what happened on that day up until a certain point, because they didn't want to inadvertently change something Yeah. by the pre-knowledge. Yeah, I, I definitely get that. So Spot, Isis, and Grudge walk into a bar. Um, you know, <laughs> is, is Isis the coolest cat in Trek? Can we just say that right now, or does Grudge well, still win out? I, oh, I, I think Grudge still wins out. Well, before, well, I need some more information. <laughs> Are we talking Isis in cat form or Isis in human form? <laughs> Ooh, Lord. <laughs> oh boy Gary Seven is a lucky person (laughs) Jeremy votes for Grudge but I I, want to throw she is a queen well she is a queen but I and I I tend to agree with him I'll throw my vote and say Grudge because really like Isis in cat form really didn't what was not interesting. I she, mean, she attacked a couple of times, you know. Oh, I've, oh, I disagree. Well, did she a cat or just, I mean, did she attack or just meow real loud? <laughs> like, uh, well, I guess she jumped very on bad meows. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah was, grudge all the way. Team grudge here, buddy. I, I'm, I'm going to let Kyle go, but it made me wonder because you remember we were speculating that grudge was more than what we thought grudge was at the very beginning. And I'm wondering if that's what they're going to throw on us sometime uh, in the next season. Interesting. Very interesting. But but go ahead, Kyle. Let's let's. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. The the cat is what sold it. This whole episode for me <laughs> because you assume when he's standing there, and Jonathan, you mentioned this before, where you've got the man holding the cat, and this is the, and I'm and my note actually is why is a man holding a cat? Why does it have to be evidence of diabolic? <laughs> and it wasn't that and that was cool that it wasn't the case but but it was like almost instant that i knew there's more to this cat than simply being a cat because the way it would like get up and walk out the door just at the right time and then whenever it started doing the meowing at the you know assuming attacks i loved all of that yeah and i will say this is not the first guy we've seen on a Starfleet vessel in a two-piece suit. Did anyone get Kovic vibes from this guy? Because it made me formulate some theories of where Kovic might come from. And I'm wondering if that's where they're going with this. Huh. Yeah, you're right. That's interesting. Yeah, because we really didn't get much information on Kovic this season. So I'm wondering if that's kind of where they're going to go with it. Because I could see him showing his face if we're seeing that, you know, the 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 Federation has went through this big turmoil with traveling and all this stuff. And I could see him. Well, maybe he should have showed up earlier to prevent it. But I could see him showing his face, you know, after all of that. And he's in 
the suit. Come on. <laughs> That's interesting. I, I I didn't put that together, and that doesn't seem far off at all. So, Cal, while Gary is in a holding cell aboard the Enterprise, he pulls out a very curious looking device <laughs> from his jacket. <laughs> Remind you anything? Oh, indeed it does. And please do let me say again that I said, before you may say of a certain device, let me tell you now, the number 16 precedes the number 29. So I knew you were going to go there with that device. (laughs) And I love that device, that quote unquote sonic device that he seemed to have. But again, 16 precedes 29. Yeah, how could they be 15 days apart? This is crazy, right? Yes, yes, yes. And you know what that reminds me of? That reminds me, and going comic books here for a moment, the strangest teens and the strangest heroes of all time were within months of each other. That is the X-Men from Marvel and the Doom Patrol from DC debuted within months of each other. So it's interesting that you've got these two things from different brands that are still around today that had so many close days to each other. That's just too awesome. Yeah. But let me say the sonic screwdriver is the 16th. It did come first for the record. Huge coincidence. I think this episode went in production late December early January is when they were shooting this. Um, maybe a little bit earlier. I mean, but in any case, they're across the pond. They shouldn't know what the other is working on. You know, it's just exactly. crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> but it's still cool regardless. Cause when I saw it, I literally said, I've got to go find the date and I hope, and I kept my fingers crossed. Cause I was like, please let the sonic screwdriver be first. But, but, but I will say this, his is more of what the sonic will become. I think indeed than what the Sonic indeed. first was in Doctor Who. Indeed, I give you that. I, I I I concede that to you. Yes. So let's talk a little bit about Roberta Lincoln, portrayed by Terry Gar. And I didn't say who portrayed Gary Seven. Robert Lansing. Yes. Yes. Wonderful job. Wonderful job. But again, let's talk about Roberta. Roberta Lincoln a bit. Um, does anybody want to talk about her in this episode? Because for me. They played her. They played her a little bit too hippie. It was the sixties, but they kind of <laughs> played her hippie, dumbish. <laughs> As a stereotypical twenty-year-old at the time, it it, it, it was kind of the Anakin. If you think of Star Wars, uh, the Phantom Menace, when Anakin is just pressing buttons and he destroys all those fighters <laughs> when he's leaving uh, Naboo, it's kind of the same mm. thing. She's just like is pressing buttons and doing the right thing. I, I didn't. That was just too matter-of-factly <laughs> to me. Um, but but yeah. what, what are your other thoughts? What are you guys' thoughts on on her in this episode? I liked her, but I want to hear what the other guys say first. I liked her, but at a certain point, she and not an insult to the actress, she did a great job, and not even an insult to the story. It was a great story, but at a certain point, she just became background noise. Hmm. Like I, it, it it wouldn't have made or broke the episode. If she was there or not, you know, I don't know if that makes sense. I agree. It does. I I totally disagree. I I totally go the other way. I say she was background noise at the beginning and became more of a character as it went along. I'm 
cor- correct. I mean, I'm not correct, but I am in <laughs> contrast to that because I saw her as the character that that was presented as she doesn't know anything, but then has the whereabouts of herself to show that I am a little bit more than maybe what you're giving credit for because she starts seeing things that most people would have probably freaked out about and doesn't freak out about. But I'm American. I love my country. (laughs) Whatever she said. (laughs) Yeah, she was okay in this episode. Uh, But but real quick, let's let's talk about Gary's apartment. So this totally reminded me of Spider-Man and the Super Friends. You know, you press a button, everything flips and you have all the cool computers and stuff. Um, but again, like we said before, very secret agent man type of stuff going on here. Um, you know, does anybody have thoughts on the apartment, how that looked? And uh, <laughs> is it just so obvious that they were setting up another television show there? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I was there it was. for it. You know, that reminded me a lot of uh, the DS9 episode, Dr. Bashir, Bashir, I presume. You know, he yeah. goes in the holodeck and he has that, he's that British 1960s British secret agent and his apartment has all these hideaway computers and, which I thought was pretty cool. I liked that yeah. episode. And so yeah. I did like this one. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty cool. Pretty cool. So my note said, I hope they didn't need to use the glasses because they sure didn't move when the walls did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So I think this episode is semi another nod towards the impending World War Three in Trek canon. But it was more like they presented the solution of like the what they were currently going through was a bit of a Cold War. Um Kind of reminded me of Cuban Missile Crisis, um, where it's a lot of gesturing. And we find out this event is what caused everybody to kumbaya, let's come together, right before starting World War Three. many years later. I guess 20, 20 years later in the 90s. Um, but yeah, I, I found all that stuff pretty interesting. And again, like if, we're, if this is a backdoor pilot, you can definitely see how that could be a series going forward where he's doing all this stuff to keep everybody from killing each other. So I thought that all was interesting. Yeah. And I, I would I would really be interested in a series based off of that. Like that's still a possibility, I would think. Yeah, you could still do that. So, Make that series. Yeah. So I think I figured out what bothered me about this episode. And since we're kind of on that level, I'll go ahead and say it now. This episode reminds me of a third doctor episode (laughs) it just fully reminds me of the third doctor and i think that's what was throwing me off because you're on earth you have the companion you have the sonic screwdriver you have the james bond type star so is the third doctor not a it's 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 to me it felt like a mislabeled doctor who episode Uh, i could see that and you have the irritating aliens that are always getting in the way so yeah how dare you was, call Kirk an irritating alien? <laughs> and I was fully, ex- I was fully expecting Lethbridge uh, uh, Stewart, Lethbridge Stewart, to come mm-hmm. in. Yeah, you know that. I, I mean, been- I see that, and and I would go so far as to say that the um, person, you know, Mrs. Whatever her name was, Roberta Lincoln, could be a an equivalent very easily of Joe Grant if it, it yeah. I would go that far. 
So very good, very um, quite on point there. Yeah, it does seem like the military was involved in this episode a lot because you see, well, the space program because you see a lot of space shots and maybe not directly involved, but I do think they do a really good job of how all that st- stuff looks. And I will say, Cal, this is years before um, the Five Doctors, mm-hmm. and I and I think they did the Gary Seven on the platform trying to rewire the shuttle better than. <laughs> Then the third doctor going across that wire. On the oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, you guys, he looked that scene up if you haven't seen it. It's hilarious. But, but you know, all, all this stuff is believable. I think they did an excellent job. You know, we could throw some shade at Scotty being able to zoom in uh, with high precision oh. cameras. <laughs> <laughs> and wasn't he tapping into a weather satellite or something? <laughs> yeah, yeah, weather balloon so. or something. Yeah. <laughs> I think so I could get a clearer cool. picture. <laughs> what was cool about this, and I had to go look it up on Memory Alpha, was, you know, what footage did they use for the rockets? Because it was obviously real rocket footage. Yeah. Uh, but they kind of stitched it together between a lot of uh, about three or four of the, Apo- the Apollo missions and the Saturn V yeah. rocket launch and all that. But I mean, you could tell this was not like staged, which most of the I know they said the launch platform and all that was a stage at Paramount that was built. But they put the footage of the actual Saturn V rocket on top of that uh-huh. in post production. So nice. That was pretty cool. I love the rocket footage because they could have gone another way. Like they could have made a a goofy looking rocket. Like <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe like a CG rocket or a, like a foam prop rocket. But they actually <laughs> used good like actual footage of a rocket, which I appreciate it. So. I didn't know this was a backdoor pilot until watching the last moments of this episode when I thought Kirk was just being naughty because because we had the cat changing and then we had the girl and then we had Gary Seven or Roberta. Then we had Gary Seven. He was like, you'll go on many adventures together. I'm like, is he, is he being naughty or is he? <laughs> is he uh, but yeah, I immediately looked it up and like, I guess all of us have done. This is a freaking pilot. That's why it feels so different. <laughs> right. It's another reason why this probably felt different. I don't know if y'all read that part. Let's uh, hear it. So this was the first time in, and one of the few times, first time in season two that Gene Roddenberry is credited as producer and not executive producer. Mm. Uh, and the reason being is because he wanted to be fully hands on in this because it was planned to be a pilot. He was worried about the cancellation of Star Trek. So he wanted to start working on the next show. Interesting. So he was involved in the, the writing. He was involved in the costumes. And as a matter of fact, and I'm getting this from memory alpha. Uh, and I forget the guy's name that was uh, in charge of costumes, but he and Roddenberry kind of. Had it out because Roddenberry wanted uh, Roberta's skirt shortened like a lot. And the guy really wasn't having it. And like they kind of had words about it. So, wow. And a lot of the production team actually had an issue with Roddenberry being so hands on. But that's why a lot of things seem a lot of different, a lot different in this episode. And if I may add to that, because I was reading about this on IMDb, Terry Gar refused to speak about Star Trek anymore because of the experience she had on this episode. Aww. Specifically, with Gene Roddenberry and wanting his skirt, wanting her skirt so so low. Oh wow! 
Mm, that's unfortunate. So, so she refused to have anything else to do with Star Trek for the rest of her life. Well, she's still living, but you know. Well, hopefully she's picked up on the new season. <laughs> <laughs> that sucks. Yeah, that does. But sign of the sign of the times, you know. Yeah. So it is, and 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 also I'll add that this was originally written written as a pilot with no Star Trek involved, and Roddenberry adapted it to be you know a backdoor pilot through through uh, an episode of of Trek. Very interesting, but as far as backdoor pilots go, um, yeah, I think I really appreciate what they're doing with Section Thirty One show. You know, that's more of a direct spinoff. Um, you can say many episodes of season two or season three of Discovery was, you know, a pilot for for those shows. So uh, as well as Strange New Worlds. So I really like, you know, how they're still kind of doing that in a sense uh, with Paramount Plus way, you know, all these years in the future. I find it very interesting. But, but let me say this. I have seen pilots that are backdoor pilots where you tune in expecting to see whatever that show is, whether it's an hour, whether it's 30 minutes, whatever, and you're expecting to see those characters and you turn it on and it is something completely different that has nothing to do with what you're expecting. And that's the backdoor pilot. I don't like those, but this, no, I, I, those. I don't either. You had just enough Star Trek to make it Star Trek, but you had enough of the other to make it feel other. So, I thought it was a good balance. Yeah. Yeah. Any additional thoughts before we get our ratings and wrap this up? Um, hmm. So I, I had a question. Did, did Seven, did they say if he was like, um, I don't want to say augmented, but like, you know, the little fight scene on in the teleporter room? Yeah. They like said he was stronger. Which, uh, yeah, he was, and this was a good fight scene, by the way, compared to some of the others we've seen in TOS. Like, this was pretty good. Oh, the, the cat won you over? <laughs> yeah, that was it. Like, martial arts champion, let me tell you. <laughs> um, but no, I, you know, he threw the guy across the transporter pad and all that, but I, they never really mentioned whether he was stronger, faster, smarter. I guess he could be, but he's human. So, yeah. They did say that he was at the peak of his, you know, physical presence or whatever the appropriate word. In other his, words, he was the perfect human. specimen. So uh, I would imagine that if his body was quote unquote perfect, that it would just not necessarily be augmented, but be augmented based on our standards. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I think if you're at the, on this highly advanced planet, I'm sure they got medical technology supplements and stuff that we can never dream of you know you know yes think of an olympic but look at it from this perspective think of it as an olympic level athlete compared to someone that's not that their physique would probably be more agile stronger etc and so forth right right but they still die in a car crash though so yep exactly (laughs) (laughs) oh man good stuff can i say something about that real quick yeah i thought the the fact and that was actually the thing that i had forgotten about because we keep mentioning doctor who doctor who used that uh, as a plot device at one point where you had a random car wreck uh but that being said i like the fact that they tied in something completely random they weren't killed by assassins from the future or something to that effect it was just they were killed at random yeah and i thought that was cool yeah 
Oh man. Another thing, didn't they give the computer a name? I can't remember what he called it. Beta. 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 Yeah. That was so yeah. cool. Irritating voice. Yeah. Though. It was Class One Supervisor 194, Gary Seven. <laughs> so cool, man. Very James Bond. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, with that, let's get our ratings. And I think I want to start with you, Jeremy. What do you think, sir? Well, like I said before, I figured I figured out during our conversation why this episode bothered me as much as it did, and it was because it's a mislabeled Doctor Who episode. With that being said, um, through our discussion, I did I do enjoy it more now that we've kind of fleshed some details out than I did upon initially viewing it. So I'm going to give it a three point five. Nice, nice, three point five from Jeremy. What about you, John? Um. Well, first, let me say. Kudos to us for being able to bring someone to liking an episode that they previously disliked. So I think that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, as I said at the top of this episode, I really love this episode. And I'm thinking back to the others that we've rated. And if I compare it to those, even though I feel like I should give this a dual rating, like as far as a Star Trek episode, I would rate it maybe a 3.5. But as an episode overall, I give it a solid four or five. Hmm. So which one is your rating? <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to say, man, because like so I think, Kyle, you mentioned earlier, or maybe Jeremy, this really wasn't a Star Trek episode. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like if I wanted to watch a Star Trek episode, this wouldn't have been the one I chose. But if I wanted to watch a good episode of television, this would be the perfect one. So your your average rating is a four. What about you, Mr. Jones? All right, I'm going to give this, I'm going to easily say 4.5. And I hope this doesn't sound like blasphemy to anybody listening. But as far as the original episodes that we've reviewed, other than the one with John Collins, I think this is easily the one I've enjoyed the most. Wow. And and I'm not, and 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 that that's not a derogatory. Please, it's not. But I'm just saying, me as a watcher, this is the one I enjoyed the most because that I love cats. So <laughs> uh, that was just cool to me, an intelligent cat. So um, yeah, four point five. I enjoyed it. Is that could also be possible? It was a lot of Doctor Who feels to it. See, I didn't pick up the Doctor Who feel like Jeremy did. I, really? I'm centered on the cat. Can I say this real quick? One of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite Disney things from whenever I was a kid was called something called the Cat from Outer Space. I wanted a cat that had powers, so I was a weird little kid. So I enjoyed this. Interesting. That'll be the name of this uh, episode: centered on the cat. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, no, take that out. <laughs> Aren't we all? Never mind. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> so if you want to read on about Assignment Earth, there is actually a comic that came out. IDW, yeah, IDW Publishing in two thousand and eight. I think it was a five episode run where they dive into more. Of the stories of Gary Seven and Roberta. Hmm. So if you're so inclined, check it out. And for me, I will give a rating of 4.2. Very much enjoyed it. Didn't feel much like a Trek episode, but I loved all the secret agency stuff. I thought that was pretty interesting. The Doctor Who similarities were awesome as well. So I, I really had a good time watching it. 
I wasn't bored. <laughs> I, was, I was like interested, like, what's going to happen next? <laughs> <laughs> All right. And with that, let's go around the horn and see what everybody is working on, even watching or listening to podcast related or otherwise. Kyle Jones. So I will start, since we keep mentioning Doctor Who, I will refer to Discussing Who. And I know a friend of this show who often writes in, Matthew Turnage, has given us a request that we, of course, were just more than happy to oblige, which was a review of The Pyramids of Mars. And that episode, as of this recording, came out today. So DiscussingWho.com. Awesome sauce. What about you, Jeremy? Um, nothing really new to report. Um, I did sit, sit down and watch the new Mortal Kombat movie this week. Um, it was pretty good. My heart's still with the original, but this was, this was a good beginning to what I hope is a trilogy. Um, so check it out. What about you, John? Um, uh, man, short of watching Voyager, uh, which is always a great show to watch. You should watch Voyager, everybody. Um, and I'm also watching Street Outlaws on Discovery. So if you're into cars and racing and all that, that's a great show to watch. Cool. And as for me, I will just say if you have recently watched the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, you want to hear me, Kyle, and Lee Shackelford talk about it, you can definitely check out our Discussing Comics feed where we, you know, give a part two to our discussion about the series, which I personally really, really loved. And that's about it, guys. We appreciate you guys listening. If you want to give in feedback, you can send that in to fans at DiscussingTrek.com or hit us up at DiscussingTrek on any and all social medias. Thank you guys for joining. And until next time, guys, live long and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to DiscussingTrek.com slash subscribe. Adventure. Your traveling companions are fellow fans of Doctor Who. That's right, it's the podcast Discussing Who, exploring the worlds of Doctor Who, past, present, and future. Find out more at discussingwho.com. You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at discussingnetwork.com.